0: Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. So, Holy Spirit, Lord, I just ask you to come. Holy Spirit, you're the one that leads us into all truth. You're the presence of God with us giving us counsel and comfort and so lord i just honor your presence i thank you lord for your ministry and holy spirit even right now i just ask that you would come and invade lord the the, the nursery you would come and invade the gym with the children the four to five year old classroom god the nursery we just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you draw hearts to Jesus. You inspire us to love him. You give us understanding. You give us vision of who he is. So we just welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this place, into our church body. And I ask, Lord, that you would just bring strength and encouragement every adult and every child here tonight, Lord. We bless your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, title is Living in the Design of My Father, um, the Centrality of Forgiveness. This is something that's been on my heart a lot, um, and I think it should be, <laughs> as, as we'll kind of uncover tonight. Um, but I wanted to start First, by um, just talking about John the Baptist a little bit, um, John the Baptist, the the word tells us that he was the greatest man ever born of a woman. He was the greatest one, like Jesus said this about him. He was the greatest man who ever was born from a woman. But when you look at his life, he didn't really have the qualities that we in our Western world would say, that's a great man. (laughs) That is a great person. Um, So he was part of, he lived in obscurity, basically. He wasn't really known. For 18 years, he lived in the wilderness. He was part of a community known as the Essene. I could be saying that wrong. Um, Religious community. Um, There was the Pharisees and Sadducees and the Essenes, and the Essenes lived a quite ascetic lifestyle meaning they prayed they fasted and we know from the biblical text that you know he wore strange clothing he ate strange food locusts and honey um, camels camels hair to where if we saw him you'd think wow that that's a really strange god but he did that so he could find communion with god (laughs) that we know of he didn't do any miracles in his life Um, again he wasn't that known to men because he lived in the wilderness for 18 years, Um, he was seen as dangerous to the religious leaders. And yet he pronounced that his greatest joy was to hear the voice of the bridegroom, to hear the voice of the father. Um, And Jesus, after John began his public ministry, what Jesus said about him in John 5 was that men rejoiced in his light. So what that means is, because sometimes we, we get a little glimpse of some of John the Baptist's preaching, and it's kind of intense. I mean, he called people brood of vipers. Mm-hmm. He was very fiery in his preaching of the little bit that we get to read about it. So, but yet Jesus' testimony about him was that men rejoiced in his light, which means that beneath John the Baptist's ministry, people found um, hope. They found redemption. They found life. They found something for their hearts that they weren't finding anywhere else. Um, so even though he preached in, in intensity, people found liberty and freedom. Um, and he had clarity of how the repentant should live their lives. We see that one part where it's like he's talking to the soldiers, he's talking to the tax collectors, and then he talks to the common everyday man, right? So what was it that was so great about John? Um, Again, as far as earthly attainments or gifting or something he could offer you, he didn't really have much. Um, But what he did have was an ear that was attentive to heaven and a heart fully given for the kingdom of God to take residence in him. Um, And at the end of his life, which it was early, he died early, John's life was completely depleted and he became nothing. He ended up in prison and ended up being killed. Okay, so I'm just making the comparison of here we have Jesus saying he's one of the greatest men ever born, and yet when we look at his actual life, if we compared that to what our Western world calls great, we would not really see anything great about it. Um, so he, my, the, what I'm wanting to draw out is he was not known much on earth, but he was known in heaven. He was known in heaven. And I believe that every single one of us was born with a capacity that John the Baptist had. That in our life, most of us aren't going to become great in the eyes of men or have that much influence or have that many resources or have that much money or whatever it is. Most of us aren't going to attain much in the natural. <laughs> there's, there's just, it's just not possible. But I do believe that we're all called to live like him with an open ear to heaven, an open heart to heaven, to have our greatest joy being found in hearing the voice of God. Um, and if that is our greatest joy, I believe our life is, should be a lot easier. If my joy is found in hearing what God is saying to my heart, no matter what I'm going through, life should get a lot easier because I'm gonna be less living in turmoil up here and in my heart, I'm going to be hearing what God is speaking to me, which as I'm sure we've all experienced God speaking to us at a specific time, and it, it relieves turmoil like that. God can speak a word into our situation, and instantly we're like, oh, well, I didn't think of the situation like that. <laughs> if I would have thought of that, I wouldn't have been freaking out for so long, right? <laughs> um, I'll give you a story about that. I remember when Jason and I were um, friends, but I liked him. And I was freaking out because I was like, but I like him. Um, what am I supposed to do, God? And I was, I was vacuuming because at that time I was a, uh, I worked at the apartment complex next to IHOP. And I was like, I worked at the apartment complex next to the International House of Prayer. Um, so I cleaned on the weekends. And I was just like, I don't know what to do, God. I like him. And I heard this voice. Why don't you just be friends with him? And I was like, oh, Yeah. Like, all of that weirdness totally went away. It's like, oh, what a profound thought. Anyways, that's silly, but just to give you an example. It was the long hair. Yeah, did everybody know, does everybody know Jason had long hair? Jason had long hair. And when we, Jason, my husband, and when we started dating, our hair was actually the same length. (laughs) We looked like brother and sister. We started dating on a ministry trip, and people were like, oh, are you guys brother and sister? We're like, we just started dating. (laughs) Anyways. Brother and sister, yes. Anyways, wow, we are getting so off track here. Okay, <laughs> this is a serious message. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, my okay. So my point in bringing up John the Baptist is, I believe that his capacity again is something we all have the ability to step into, and that we are designed for this. We were designed to receive from God and release things from God to others. Okay, it's always been his desire. That we would be completely caught up in himself and his glory and his affection, and that we share the same glory that God has, which is kind of ridiculous when you begin to think about it. Okay, so I'm going to use this word a lot tonight called design, right? I, I, that's what I um, titled it with Living in the Design of My Father, okay? So in this age where sin is still part of our experience, um, It looks like something to live in the design of our father, okay? Um, And I think it has everything to do with how we relate to others. Okay, so now I'm going to draw. Actually, no, I'm going to read a couple. um, I'm going to read some things. Nope, I'm going to draw this first. Okay, sorry. I'm visual. I didn't realize how much of a visual learner I am until I start teaching more. Okay, so god and this is person and oh yeah i should have got a red marker too okay (laughs) so this is us receiving love from god and then out of that place we're just connected to people and we're supposed to be mm, this is another person these are people okay These are very profound pictures, by the way, very profound pictures. I know you guys are wild right now, okay Oh, okay, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry I can't focus. <laughs> but this this would go out, okay, if we continued to draw this, right. there would be right. like lines going everywhere, right, and this is a picture of John 17. So I'm going to read that a little bit. I'll read part of John 17. Okay. Okay, um, I'm going to start at verse 20. It says, I do not ask for these only. This is Jesus praying. But I ask for those who will believe in me through their word, meaning the apostles' word that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. So that is, this is, again, a really crazy picture depicting that, is that God has given us of himself, and he wants us to be one. Well, the way that we are one is by receiving love from God and releasing it to others. That is the design that he created us for, that we are recipients from him and giving the same quality of love to others, okay? That is what creates unity. So I'm going to read several commands from Jesus about this because the point is God says, this is how I am towards you. I have loved you. Now you are supposed to love others like me. So John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. John 15, 12 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. First John three, eleven. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. First John three, twenty-three, and this is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he has commanded us first John 4 21 says and this commandment we have from him whoever loves God must also love his brother so I'm not saying anything that we don't know right we know we're supposed to love um We know that we're, but again, it's this reality that he's saying, as I have done to you, this is how you're supposed to love others. It's the same way that you're supposed to love others with how I am doing it. Um, So, of course, we're supposed to love one another. Um, What's interesting, though, especially the culture we're living in, I know you guys have probably all heard that phrase, love is love, right? Love is love, and that's geared towards The um, LGBT reality where it's like, anyone can love anyone. So they make it about gender and about marriage and about sex. But Jesus defines love. And he says, I want you to love others with how I am loving you. Okay? That's important for us to grasp. Because the difference is the quality of love that God is calling us to. We are to love like him. We love, we typically love when it is convenient for us, when it feels good, when we get a return on our investment of love, when you agree with me and I agree with you, that's when we love. When you understand me and you don't get in my way, that's when we love. When you offer me praise and thank me for all my good qualities, then I love you. When you don't offend me, but God is calling us to something higher. He's calling us to something a lot higher. I'm going to read a passage from Matthew 5:43 through 48. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect, as your Heavenly Father is perfect." So we have these commands, love one another as I have loved you. And then we have this statement, be perfect, as my Heavenly Father is perfect. So that's a serious and weighty command. But so I kind of want to get some feedback. What is the opposite? What what words do we use that's opposite of love? Hate. Hate. I'm just going to list them out. Okay, hate, what else? think of, again think about it this way jesus is defining the way we are supposed to love one another with how he loves so this is not <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's like an extreme it is it is opposite okay. but think of other words <laughs> okay that's good okay good keeping records okay keeping record Um, Did someone say one other? Jealousy, Jealousy. okay. And forgiveness. Good, Uh, yeah. What about, uh, what about indifference? Apathy, indifference. I could be spelling that wrong. Are you checking my spelling? apathy um, bitter vengeful uh selfish that's a good one mm-hmm. <clears throat> i have uh malicious, contentious, what'd you say? (laughs) I mean, there's probably more. Um, So I know that not everyone, one of us probably walks in whatever, but I guarantee you every single one of us can highlight several of these, several of these, and think of different people in our life that either we have treated in that way, or taken on these things, or even still today have different feelings. And I would say probably some of the biggest ones is indifference and apathy. Most of us pri- probably aren't in full on hate, you know, of others, um, or co- but contention division. I mean, uh, so love is not just love. We can be nice to people who are nice to us, and we can love those who don't get in our way, um, but the standard of which we are being compared to is God himself, the love that god is commanding us to display to one another is the exact same type of love that he has towards us again it's this is what i'm receiving this is what i'm supposed to be giving out it's a, it's supposed to be the same quality he's the standard because he's our father but so what i want to point out is that if he is our father that is commanding us to do this that means we literally are designed to do it means we have the capacity to walk this out because he's our father and he's a good father, so he's not going to command us to do something that we can't do. I mean, it is supernatural, don't get me wrong. It's not like we can walk it out in our own flesh. <laughs> it's supernatural, but he's saying this is possible for you because I've given you my Holy Spirit and I want to begin teaching you how to do it, right? Um, from that text in Matthew 5, It says, so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. So there's this mandate upon our lives to love how he loves because he wants us as children in his house, you know, like some households don't have a whole lot of rules for their kids. Um, Sometimes making rules in your house is hard, right? (laughs) Keeping them, but it's like God literally has rules for his household. And we, he wants us to, li- to live within those rules. And that's not a bad thing. It's a really good thing, right? Because he knows that the things he's commanding us is not, again, to make us just do a bunch of stuff. He's like, this is actually life. It's actually life if you obey my commands and learn how to walk like I'm, wa- I'm wanting you to walk. <laughs> so our Father has loved us in a very specific way. And his desire is that we learn to be like him which means we have to be students of how he has loved us. And we're going to look into this a little bit more in the next session next week. How has God loved us? But one of the ways, uh, Romans 5, it says, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. While we are still enemies. And that's exactly what Jesus is calling us to in Matthew 5, 8, is love your enemies. Why? Because that is the quality of love that he possesses in his heart that he's commanding us to begin to walk in. Um, So if I don't know how God has loved me and really begin to think about that, meditate upon it, how, how am I supposed to love others with that same type of love? I need to pay attention to how the Father is towards me, especially in the midst of my weaknesses and failures, in the midst of my sin and pride. In order to love others as he has loved me. Okay. The second thing I want to draw out from Matthew 5, 48 is it says, he says, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? So God wants us to be rewarded. Even though he made us to love this way, he designed us for this purpose, he actually says, if you do this, you will have a reward. Um... What reward will we have? Um, so if we learn to love like God, we will be sharing in the glory of who he is, the most peaceful, joyful, brilliant, and shining being in all of creation. Um, that is one of the re- rewards we will get. We also know from scripture we get crowns and robes and cool things like that. EJ always asks me, Mom, am I going to get a purple robe and crown? And that I'm like, i probably, I don't know, <laughs> we got to be faithful, but um, part of the reward that we get is actually having the peace that he has, peace is, when, when we, yeah, it's priceless, when we enter into the peace of the Lord, again, we've all been in those swirls, like a negative swirl, and God might speak a word, or he might use someone else to speak a word to us, or we might receive prayer, well, all of a sudden, all that goes away, and there is peace inside, That is supernatural and it is not of this world. So that is priceless, that is the reward we get, one of the rewards I believe that we get when we um, learn to love like he loves. Because when we're loving and functioning in the design that he created us for, we're functioning properly, which I'm gonna get into that in a little bit. So when we harbor things like bitterness or apathy, uh, indifference, unforgiveness, jealousy, keeping records, when we harbor that inside of us, um, it puts a literal weight upon our soul. And I know probably everyone in this room has been on some kind of health kick at some point in their life, right? And what happens, you start to feel, like you start to get healthy, you start to feel better, and you realize, wow, I didn't know how crappy I felt all the time didn't know how bad I actually was until I started feeling better and that's the same thing with our souls like until we begin to start walking in how God designed us more and more and we realize oh my goodness there's peace I don't have to live in that negative swirl and those negative emotions all the time we don't realize how much we actually lived in that before until we begin to actually be transformed so w- it, it's the same with learning to love. We don't realize how much our complaints or disagreements um, can fester into greater issues and weigh upon our soul when we choose to only love those who love us. Um, okay. Then in the last part of Matthew 5, 48, he said, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So he's, qual- he's calling us to a quality of love that is not like anything in this world um, perfection, that, that word, you therefore must be perfect, it's the Greek word for, and it says, it's called teleos, teleos, yeah, if you didn't know this, you can go on to Blue Letter Bible and look up different words, and they'll, they have a pronunciation thing, so you can hear what it's supposed to sound like, and I even wrote it out phonetically, but it's still hard, teleos, <laughs> okay, um, So Jesus is saying that love can be complete and is perfected, and that is what the Father is calling us and commanding us into. But that word, perfect, also can be translated brought to its end or finished, wanting for nothing and its completeness. It's perfect or that which is perfect. So when he's saying, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, This is how I think of it. You, therefore, must be whole and in complete design in the same order that your father is. That's what I'm calling you to. Be in the same design and perfect order and wholeness that your father is in. Love like him. Um, And he's calling us to love our enemies. So, again, I'm going to think about We think enemies, we might immediately go to this word hate. But who who are our enemies? Those who don't agree with me. Again, we might not all out hate them, but if someone doesn't agree with me, what begins to happen? Like some of these things can begin to set into our heart and begin to like take root. We have to be really careful of the things, the thoughts that we allow into our hearts. So enemies, those who don't agree with us, Those who don't like us, or we feel like don't like us. Those who believe we are wrong. Those who don't like what we stand for. Those who despise the way we live. Those who don't understand our perspective. Um, I threw this in there. I hope no one gets mad about this. Those who don't believe what you are doing regarding vaccines, wearing masks, or regarding politics. I did, cause I'm starting to see it on Facebook again. Yep. Yeah. yeah it's <laughs> My sister would argue a blue streak over that getting that vaccine. Yeah. She said I'm not getting it. I said, well, who cares? I said I'm getting it. And she. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is things like this are going to continue to happen. But again, if what if what we know, like what is the father wanting me to pay attention to? He's wanting t- me to pay attention to what is happening in my heart with my enemies, and again, it's not like someone I feel like I just want to go out and hurt real bad, I mean, I know that's no one in this room, but I'm just saying, it's like we have ways that we Christianize these things, but when God is commanding us to love like him, that actually means something. And for the sake of politics or for the sake of personal justice or whatever it is, we begin not loving like the Father. And I know we all saw that in the, in the 2020 elections and the COVID and all of that. We have to do better. <laughs> we have to do better. Um, and it's not just, oh, we have to do better. It's this John 17 reality that Jesus is saying, like, this is what is available. When you are living receiving from God, and giving that same quality of love to others, that is where my glory rests. That's where my glory is. And that's what I want for you. But we get really distracted. We get really distracted. So when, when okay, so I'm using this word design again, okay? We are designed to receive God's love and give that love. That's what we are designed to do. Um, and Anytime there's a design for something, there's a purpose in it, okay? So I believe that when God created us in his image, he truly created us according to a beautiful design. It's his design, right? Um, To receive love and give love. What happens then, if the design is messed up, the purpose that we have is messed up as well. And I'm going to draw this out a little bit, okay? So I want to talk a little bit about the aspect of design has anyone taken art classes before? Oh, really? Oh, bummer. Okay. I started going to college for art, so I took a lot of art classes. Um, so this this whole concept of design for an artist. God's an artist, right? He's a creator. So this whole concept of design. When you are designing something, a piece of art, you use certain what they call elements and principles in order for you to accomplish a certain end, okay? So art can be something that is purely for aesthetic value. That would be its purpose. Uh, Anybody know Claude Monet? Okay, some people, anyways, he's (laughs) kind of an impressionist painter, didn't do things hyper-realistic, but he used beautiful colors that when you would step away from it, it was very subdued, and you just get this sense of peace and, and beauty from it, okay? It's very tranquil artwork. So he used certain design elements that the purpose would be to make you feel at peace and be like, man, I wish I was in that scene walking across that pond on that bridge in that beauty, okay? So he used certain design elements in order to accomplish a purpose. But there's other artists that they create things for utilitarian purpose. So there's artists of chairs. Did you know that? Making chairs is an art. Have you ever thought about that before? Okay. Well, let's so think about this, <laughs> or let's say let's say a vase, or a vase, or a, a pot. Okay, so we know, and God is a potter, right? And He literally says that He has some pots that are used for common everyday use, and other pots that are used for beauty. Has anybody held a piece of really fine china before? It is very lightweight. It is delicate. The type of um, lines that are used on it, it's very different from a mug that you're going to use every day to hold your coffee in. Mug you're going to hold your coffee in, you need that thing to be durable. (laughs) You want a good handle on it so you can hold it well. So the design elements in a mug that you're going to drink your coffee from every day is different than the design elements you're going to use on a really fine piece of china that you're going to pull out at a bridal occasion, right? You guys might be thinking I'm absolutely crazy right now. My point is design, and artists will use design elements to accomplish a purpose, okay? But when that design is disrupted, the purpose for what it was made for is altered. And the same is true for us, okay? Um, so something can distort the design that God gave us, giving or receiving love and giving love. Something distorts our design and renders our purpose useless and I believe that that what distorts our design and our purpose is this o- offense and unforgiveness. These things over here, right? Um, in Matthew 5, 13 through 14, I want to read that real fast. Matthew 5, 13 through 14. Hmm. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father, who is heaven. So salt was designed to be salty, <laughs> right? Did What are some things that salt does? Does anybody know? Preserves, adds flavor. There are other things. Oh, there you go. She's like, it's bad, don't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it actually can bring healing too. Mm-hmm. I, people have those salt lamps or whatever. I've never used one of those. Horse, horses like to lick it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. What? Electrolytes. Electrolytes, there you go, yeah. Um, but if salt loses its saltiness, if it loses that design of what it actually is, then it's good for nothing, Jesus said. Good for nothing. You might as well just throw it out. If a light that you have, you put a basket over it, you're losing its design. It literally cannot function for its purpose, to give light to the house. So God made us and designed us to give and receive love. And when we begin to have these be the, um, like, let's say this person, they don't agree with what I believe um, about I don't want to give an example right now. Let's just say. They just don't agree with me. So instead of giving love, what I'm doing is I am, ah, man, I can't stand being around you. I don't like being around you. You just annoy me. Um, this person over here, I need an example. Someone give me an example. Homeschooling versus public school. Okay, you're like, what, you're messing up your kids? Yeah. Okay. Good. it's true I <laughs> exactly I, I just I disagree with you um, this person over here oh my goodness they just um, got a promotion at work that I feel like I should have had and I'm frustrated and I'm frustrated um, my dad did something to me when I was younger that really hurt me and I'm walking in unforgiveness that's pretty common with our with parents right unforgiveness for things that may or may not be in, out of their control so what you see is this is our purpose and the glory to which god has given us that when the design of giving receiving love and giving love is distorted we cannot walk we cannot fulfill our purpose and we cannot walk in that glory um so The remedy for all of this, I know we all know, but we draw these things out. It's forgiveness. That's why there's a central importance, which we'll get into a lot more next week, of why when Jesus is commanding us to love like he loves, there's also these other commands of forgiving one another. And we'll see in the Lord's Prayer, he calls us to forgiveness. And I believe that, and what's very interesting in the Lord's prayer is he begins by saying, go by yourself into your closet, into your prayer closet, but then the prayer is written in plural. Have you ever noticed that before? He says, go in your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father in heaven. But then the prayer is, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread. Why, if I'm praying by myself, why, who's the us? So we'll get into this. No, I believe it's referring to the fact that I am always connected to you guys. I'm always connected to other believers. And when I begin having this stuff in my relationships, which I'm not condemning anyone because it's hard, right? It's just, we're drawing this out because God's calling us to something higher. And we all need this encouragement all the time. We all need this set before us because we all do these things. So, but what he's calling us, when I'm alone in my prayer closet, I'm, I'm operating in the awareness of, it's not, you're not just my father, it's our father. It's our Father, this person over here that I can't stand right now and I have apathy in my heart and I don't want to be around them. Our Father is the same Father and he wants us to be connected and he wa- he's wanting these things to be restored through forgiveness because he's wanting us to get here, to walk in this unity that is so profound that he says the world will take note when you begin walking in this. This is the design of God himself that we begin loving in a way that is so supernatural. And I don't think we can, you know, we can't make it happen on our own. I really believe that it comes through supernatural, through encounters with the Lord, and it it comes through when we are noticing, I have indifference towards this person or apathy, that's when we get on our knees and say, God, God, I am really struggling with this person. Yeah. He's a good father and he cares about the things that are on my heart and he cares about the things that are on your heart, but I, if I notice that there is something in my heart that is preventing me from loving you the same way that he has loved me, it is my duty to get on my knees and cry out to the Lord, and begin offering to him the situation, the feelings, the emotions, and allow him to step in with the supernatural, (laughs) it's an exchange. It's an exchange that happens in the place of prayer. So, and again, I am not, uh, I hope no one's thinking I have it figured out, because I don't. (laughs) But I will say a testimony, because I know Robin, uh, you saw me that day, um, remember when I came I came into the church and I was like, I am really struggling. <laughs> and you were talking to me and you're just like, Well, <laughs> you're just gonna have to give that one over to the Lord. <laughs> um, and yeah, so during worship, I mean I came up to the altar, I covered my face and thank goodness we have loud worship. Yeah. Because what I had to do, I had to shout. I mean, I was mad. I was mad. And I had to shout. I'm not saying you have to do that, but I had to give the emotional strain that I was feeling over to the Lord, and that's how it came out for me. And it instantly lifted, and I was like, okay. Like something shifted, because it was an offering to him that he then gave me the supernatural peace and clarity that I needed to be like, okay, it's okay. Right? so we have a design that we are meant to live in we're commanded to live in (laughs) but it's for our glory it's for our good and um, we're rewarded for it when we begin walking in it Um, these are the things that destroy our design and render our purpose useless on this earth Maybe that's too strong because God is so good, he uses us despite how weak and and much we, you know, flail around and fail. (laughs) But, um, again, where God is taking us, the unity that he wants to draw us into, um, it's pretty profound. And so we just need to be heightened awareness of, like, what is going on inside of my heart. And, additionally, because we can't do this alone, If we don't have people that we can open up to, to say, like I don't believe we can do this on our own either. We have to have people in our life where it's like, I am thinking this, I am feeling this, please pray for me because it is too big for me right now. And to have them contend that we can get that supernatural breakthrough in our heart and emotions about a situation. We need people like that in our life that are gonna call us higher. Oh my goodness! I didn't even get to this part. I forgot I had it on here. Okay, oops. All right. I I want to. I do want to talk about offense for a little bit, a little bit more. Okay. Um, how or why do we get offended? I mean, we've talked a little bit about this, but a big one is unmet expectations. We expect something, it's not happening, we don't get it, or whatever. So that can happen in a any situation. Um, We get offended when someone violates a biblical or moral law that affects our life. I mean, that's pretty profound to be offended at that. I mean, if someone, you know, comes in, murders one of your children or something, that's pretty profound. But it happens, right? Someone violates our own invisible rule book we have inside based upon a multitude of things. And I would say this is where most of us falter. We have an invisible rule book. I'm going to read a quote from, it's a, he was a fellow IHOPU student and he's a leader there now. His name's Philip Kellenberger. He wrote a set of notes, um, why are we so easily offended? So this quote is from him about the invisible rule book. It's a set of beliefs, values, unspoken patterns of interaction and social behavior, rituals, personal preferences, traditions or symbols, work ethic and styles and learned behavior from our families culture, society, and geographic region. That's where our invisible rule book comes from. We all have one. Everyone has an invisible rule book. We can't always explain why we think something must be a certain way, but we can definitely tell you when we are annoyed when people don't keep our rules and are doing something the wrong way. Most of the time we are offended because people are not living up to our expectations we have in our invisible rule book. People will easily offend us when they don't live up to the invisible rules that we have expected them to live by. It is easy to despise or scorn someone that we see breaking the rules when in fact they may be completely ignorant to our rules that we think are normal or common. Mm. And I know that we've all been recipients (laughs) of someone who's like, we're not following their invisible rule book, and we have also been the ones that says, hey, you are not following my invisible rule book. I know we all know what that feels like, but this is a big, big cause for offense in our hearts, in our friendships, in our work environment, in our parent-to-child relationships, in our spouse-to-spouse relationships, it's big, right? One thing, we have these invisible rule books, right? God should be the one who is most offended. The, think about right now in this time in human history, eight billion people on the planet, I think that's kind of the current number. Every single person on the planet has a thought about him. What? A thought about God. What he's like, if he's good. There's offense in the human heart because they think he should be a different way. He should be doing something else. A good God would do this I can't believe God would do that. God, if you want to talk about being misunderstood or having, um, he does have a rule book. (laughs) Um, We're learning how to walk fully pleasing to him, but every single human on the planet has a thought about God. Some people just believe he doesn't exist at all. That's still a thought about God. He is the one that should be, could be walking in the most offense, because of the misunderstandings, misconceptions, vitriol that he receives, and yet he's the one that's saying, love your enemies, I love my enemies, and you are to love like me. So, we'll end with that thought. God is the one who should be the most offended, but his love forgives, and next week we're going to look a little bit more... <clears throat> so, Father, Lord, we just thank you, God, that you are infinitely loving beyond what we can comprehend. God, even just pulling these things out tonight, just highlighting the ways that we fall so short, and yet, God, you, you have this command and this desire in your heart that we would walk. Walk and 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 live out the very things that you manifest, God. You want to share your glory with us, um, God. You really want us to learn how to love and to to experience the peace and the joy and the freedom that loving like you love brings us. So I thank you for that, God. I just ask, Lord, for our hearts um, here. God, just your Holy Spirit, rest upon us. God, I pray if there is unforgiveness or um, that apathy, indifference, God, frustration towards someone else, Holy Spirit, that you would just help, help hearts, God, to bring that person before you, bring that situation before you. Because, God, it, it affects our connection to one another and our connection to you. So help us, God. Help us love like you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time.